Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamp, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 380 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by former heavyweight world title challenger, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing this week, my man? I'm doing good, my man. How about you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. Always good when speaking with you. We're going to dive straight into the review part of the show. I think there's just two cards to review. Let's start with this one here. It was the big one. It was the main one of the weekend. We're going to start with the undercard. Um, Where shall we start on the undercard, though? I think we're going to start with this one here. Fraser Clark, now 5-0. He was able to beat Kevin Espindola, who's now 7-7. Fraser Clark becomes the first man to actually stop Espindola. Bindola, who retired on his stall at the end of four rounds. He didn't come out for round five of a scheduled six-rounder there. Um, yeah, I mean, Espindola, really tough guy, um, generally. Um, I noticed that he'd actually put 42 pounds on since July, so... I don't know. I don't know what had happened there. Maybe he's done more eating than training since his last meaningful fight. But yeah, I mean, you know, awful feet. He just came pretty much to lie on the ropes. Clark was just hitting him at free will. He was trying to counter off the ropes here and there with a left hook, but had little success. Espindola, and he hurt his hand in the second round. And to be honest, he did well to actually complete four rounds. And yeah, he decided to quit on his store after the fourth. Um, shame, really, because he only needed, like I say, to just complete those two extra rounds and he would have kept his 0% stoppage loss record intact. But no, he stopped, like I say, for the first time. Um, you know, it wasn't really, uh, uh, you know, a win to remember for Fraser Clark. Obviously, he's been moaning about his competition. They haven't been good enough. And I think he wanted to step up and this was not it, to be honest. He just lied, like I say, on the... On the, on the ropes like a punching bag. Um, and yeah, Fraser Clark to win on points was was just about 3-1, to one, which looked extremely likely if he didn't hurt his hands. So it was a bit of a shame there. But um, there was also some good money on the fight to go over three and a half rounds. I think you could double your money there. And yeah, it did, it did go over three and a half rounds. Elsewhere on the card, Joseph Parker... Oh boy, oh boy. Cost me some money this one, to be honest with you. Now 31-3. and three, A unanimous decision over 10 rounds against Jack Massey, who's now 20-2. and two. Massey deducted a point in round 8 for holding. Um, I'm not sure how to how to approach this really i mean obviously you know joseph parker was on the show what two three weeks ago good good friend of the show is parker um but it was a terrible performance you know it's a world level heavyweight in with a british level cruiserweight and even though parker won every round massey for me was more impressive just for the fact that he was able to go 10 rounds with a former heavyweight world champion um i'm hoping that massey does get a big fight after this because i think he is a more than capable fighter um starved really of any good opportunities hence why we saw him up here at heavyweight and i'd actually heard a rumor that he was he was doing scaffolding um you know in the build-up to this fight trying to make money so i just cannot believe that he actually went a distance with parker um but yeah he's got a lot of ability i think jack massey but Obviously, he's had quite quite a lot of bad luck. And like I say, Parker wasn't impressive at all. He decided to only really let his hands go in round 10. His feet were so slow, Joseph Parker. He wasn't cutting off the ring. He was actually being backed up a lot in the fight as well, which is crazy. But yeah, Massey can hold his head high. Parker, not looking forward to seeing him anytime soon after that display. And like I say, I'm a huge Parker fan. I, I really like Parker. I, I love Parker, to be honest with you. But it was a terrible look for him. Um, and yeah, you've got to just, you know, think what would the other top heavyweights in in the division, 
you know, what would they have done to, or what what would they have and should they have done to Massey? No disrespect to Massey, of course, but he had no right going the di- going the distance and actually boxing fairly decent in spells against Joseph Parker. Like I say, I think he lost probably every round, but you know he did have moments in there, and that was that was just awful for Parker there. And I was I was super sure Parker would knock him out. I could not see any any other outcome but I was wrong there and it cost me um elsewhere on the card let's go to another undercard fight Echo Esserman now 19 and 0 a majority decision over 12 rounds against Chris Congo now 14 and 2 it was for the Commonwealth the IBF European the WBC International and the British welterweight titles Esserman like I say with the win um Really good fight. I mean, Congo came out and boxed really well in the first in the first few rounds. Esserman's pressure though was so relentless. You know, he fought his way back into the fight. I think he hurt Congo during one of the mid rounds. That was the first time he'd hurt him, and he certainly badly hurt him in the final round. Esserman made it a really entertaining entertaining fight, and I think both men will learn from it. Um, it was a really close fight. It probably could have gone either way, but like I say. Um, you know, Esserman did get the win. I expected him to slightly. Um, I think we had, yeah, Michael McKinson on last week's show. He thought that Esserman could perhaps win by stoppage late on. It, it came close, I guess, maybe. But credit to Congo as well, I do want to say, for going 12 rounds, I believe, for the first time there. But good fight. Like I say, really close. Could have gone either way. Um Elsewhere on that card, Richard Riakpour now 16-0, a TKO for him in round four against Christoph Glowacki, former WBO Cruiserweight World Champion, now 32-4, certainly um, at the very end of his career. I said it was a fight I didn't really uh, want to touch in terms of betting and stuff because I felt that the fight you know, could go many ways. I mean, obviously, I said Riakpour was stepping up to a level he'd never been near, to be honest with you. And Glowacki, despite one time being one of the best fighters in the world at his weight, being a former world champion, going the distance with Usyk, he's not the same fighter. And just on fight day, I received some information that actually the camp for Glowacki couldn't have gone any worse. And he was pretty much just turning up, um, you know, just for the payday. So I heard that last minute kind of thing. And um, I expected from that point onwards, it was a really credible source as well. From that point onwards, uh, that we'd probably see a stoppage for Reactbor probably quite early. And that is what happened. Um Managed to get him out, like I say, in round four. Glowacki did have a good go in round one and two and that, but yeah, Riakpo, um, too young, too fresh, too strong, huge as well. Looked massive against Glowacki and obviously punches incredibly hard. I think that's now, um, you know, slightly more proof that he is a big puncher. Um, I think that's the quickest he's ever been knocked out as well, Glowacki. So like I say, echoes what I was saying. He is very much at the end, I guess, that's a that's that's probably um a decision for him to make but he could walk away i think that's enough really we don't need to see him again um but then again cuz he is a former world champion he will probably still get a couple of paydays if he chooses to carry on but i think he should probably think about hanging them up at least um elsewhere on the card what have we done now we've done parker clark Echo Esserman and Reactor. That that leaves nothing else but the main event. Chris Eubank Jr. now 32-3. and three. A TKO loss in round four against Liam Smith. No one really saw this coming. 32-4 and four with a draw. Sorry, 33-3 and three with a draw, I should say, Liam Smith. Um, when I say no one saw it coming, I mean some people backed Liam Smith to win on points. But, you know... Uh, no one expected an early knockout for Liam Smith. And if there was going to be an early knockout, I think 99% of people would have said it would have been Chris Eubank Jr. to get it. Um, Down twice Eubank in the fourth round prior to the referee finally stopping it. But no, it was a humongous shock. It really was. Um, You know, like I say, there was a few shocks on the card. Parker going the distance. Um, um, You know, Fraser Clark... Um, you know, not not going the distance when I expected him to. Not as big an upset, but um, this here was, yeah, probably the topper of all of them. Um, I think it was about eleven to one for the KO for for for, um, for Smith to get the KO, and that's at any point in the fight. But to get him for the fourth round KO or KO within four rounds, I I can't even imagine what the price would have been on that. 
Um, but yeah, it would have been huge odds. Um, it was the least predicted outcome. Obviously, m- the the most likely outcome in in the eyes of the bookies was that Eubank would win on points. Then I think it was maybe Eubank stoppage, and then Liam Smith points, and then Liam Smith knockout. Like I say, huge um, the price on that. Um, the first couple of rounds were kind of nip and tuck. Um, some people gave them both to Smith. Some people gave them both to Eubank. They were very arguable rounds. I felt Eubank had a really good third round. I think everyone agrees with that one. You know, he was firing out a nice quick jab. He was landing countless numbers of his signature uppercuts as well. They were nice to see. And Smith was having moments, but I felt Eubank certainly won that third round. It was the easiest of the three rounds to score through that first three Um and then, yeah, like I say, in round four, we get into round four, Smith catches Eubank in the corner and just let his hands go. And he hurt Eubank with about four or five shots. Um, it was difficult. I haven't seen many replays. It was difficult to know which one did the real damage. But obviously, down Eubank went, like I say, got straight back up immediately, showing off that inexperience. He didn't take account on the floor, got straight back up straight away. No surprise at all. Uh, tried to blame the floor, I think, for being slippery. He was falling forward. The referee probably should have called it off right then and there. His legs were all over the place. He wasn't fooling anyone, saying that, it, that he'd slipped. Certainly not Liam Smith either. He knows that he was he was he was certainly hurt. And yeah, the referee let him continue. And literally, the first punch I think was a huge right hand by Smith. Smith goes in for the kill at that point. Eubank goes down again. Um, again, gets up very unsteadily. And that time, the referee does finally wave it. Off. But yeah, like I say, huge, huge shock. The Eubank chin didn't hold up. Um, and the Smith power was, I think, underestimated. Just like um, just like that, the Eubank name, of course, takes a significant hit. Um, you know, you, you look back at him, you know, in the build-up saying he, he only needed to be 60% to win, or it might have even been 50% to win. He was wearing the KFC jacket. He was sprinkling salt on a on uh, on a piece of steak like some uh, like some version of Salt Bay in Brighton, and um, you know you 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 think back to those moments when someone loses in this fashion. You go back to the build up and you remember these things that were were maybe funny, slightly comical at the time, but now they look really idiotic and quite embarrassing. I think for for, for Eubank, um, who's an extremely proud man, and you know I think there's a rematch clause. I've heard rumours already that Eubank does want to activate that clause and may have already activated the clause. Um, but yeah, I've got to say it again, Eddie, it's, it's a controversial statement, but for me, Chris Eubank Jr. has lost every big fight of his career, aside from when he beat James DeGaulle, who was finished at that point. Um, Liam Smith as well does something that, you know, Billy Joe Saunders couldn't do, Groves couldn't do, much bigger men than him, and he's, like I say, significantly smaller, um, you know, and doesn't get the credit that those other fighters that I just mentioned there get as well. Doesn't get the credit of a George Groves or a Billy Joe Saunders. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to add, he may have grey hairs, but this man, as I said on last week's show, I think he's in his prime. I highlighted the, the, the excellent form he's been in of recent times, and this is further proof that I think that is the case. I think he deserves another world title shot off the back of that. It was an amazing win for Smith. I'm sure you saw the fight. What did you make of it? Yeah, 100%. You know, I I, I think I, I might have underestimated him myself a little bit, and I never really do that. And it's not so much that I underestimated his ability. I just maybe overestimated what Eubank was bringing. And, but, then, but then again, when I was watching it, I thought Eubank was doing all right. I think... The style that they've been working on and him being, you know, boxing, using the jab, especially that third round, like you mentioned, Joe, he looked actually pretty sharp. He was doing some good things. Um, I think he got a little too – I think when he started to, like, seem like he was going to gain a little bit of control, you know, with that third round and came out, and I think he got a little bit too confident in his success the, round, the previous round before, especially at the end, and his hand was a little too low, got caught in the corner – in a weird spot and just wasn't being defensively responsible. And Liam, like I said, Liam Smith, his power must be a lot more than what people really give him credit for because never really have we really seen Chris Eubank like like that, hurt or, you know, going anywhere. And most of us, you know, thought that, you know, if some of the guys that was hitting on him before, 
like you said, much bigger guys, you know, speaking of the guys he was in the ring with. And it's crazy that of all those guys, this one is to do it. So you got to give credit where it's due and say that uh, Liam Smith is a, a much bigger player. And like you said, he might have had a gray hair, but he's showing like he got, you know, like he's, he's primed right now. But um, I still, I honestly don't, I still like what Eubank was doing in the fight, aside from the defensive responsibility toward, you know, especially at the end when he, when he uh, got caught with the shots. But, um, yeah, Liam Smith just proved to be that, that, that barrage was a little too much uh, at that time. I mean, obviously that can happen, you know, it's boxing. So I could see, you know, with, with uh, him wanting that rematch clause and activating it right away. It's probably a good idea. He's got to go back in and try to right that wrong if he's going to have uh, if he's gonna, if he's going to have any you know any more success in his career. I mean, don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean that he won't be able to do something special later on, even after this loss without a rematch clause. But it just looks so much better if he goes back in and, and tries to uh, you know effectively change what what, it, what has happened in this past fight. Not saying change it; it's not going to change it, but at least get a win. And maybe go do a trilogy or something like that with this, because I mean, obviously the way the, the way the fight's going, I mean the way the fight was going, he was looking good. But like I said, it was I think this, the defensive responsibility in the third round, in the fourth round, obviously uh, after that success he had the third was was probably obviously where where he uh, where he went wrong. But I like the fight. I, if they fought again, I would definitely want to watch it again. And uh, both good quality guys, good good UK guys. And like I said, I would love to see it again. Yeah, and a fun fact that you probably forgot, Eddie, as well, but obviously for those that wouldn't know, they they certainly wouldn't know, um, someone runs your Twitter page half the time and um, pretty much tweets their own thoughts on there. And I remember there was an occasion where you, or not, not necessarily you, but your uh, Twitter page had beef with Liam Smith, and it was actually me who squashed it between your unknowing self and uh, and Liam Smith having to say that it wasn't actually you tweeted that. But there's a fun fact. Oh. <laughs> he was calling yeah. you all kinds of names, you know, and I was like, no, and it's not really him tweeting. <laughs> and, that's, and you know what's funny about that? I actually went and worked with those guys. I worked with Paul. I worked with Callum, if I'm not mistaken, I think, before. Uh, I think I worked with Callum. Uh, I want to say I might have worked with Liam. I'm not sure. I can't remember, but I was over at their gym. You remember when we were in Bolton? I would, you know, we went, we went there uh, uh, a few times, and I was sparring with those guys. And you know, I was sparring with anybody, and you know, even 147 or up, I don't, you know, it didn't really matter. I wasn't trying to knock guys out, and you know, like that. But I was a big, you know, I'm a bigger guy. But uh, they couldn't have been gooder, you know, gooder. Oh, that was so bad. They couldn't have been better, better people. They seemed, you know, like great. I, I liked Paul. Paul was uh, smart. Well, it was, you know, it was nice. It was a nice situation. I didn't have any, any issues with the guys. So wh- how that happened was just kind of so weird that I had something. <laughs> I guess you would have thought I had something against them, but obviously I didn't. Thank you, Joe, for squashing that beef. <laughs> Any any erratic tweets you see on Eddie's Twitter certainly wasn't sent from him. Um, yeah, okay. Moving on to the the other card at the Casino Miami Jai Ally in Miami, Florida over here. It was a Don King Productions card. Uh, the main event, Jonathan Guidry, now 19-1 and with two draws. A unanimous decision win for him over 10 rounds against Bermain Stavern, 25-6 and six with a draw now. Didn't see a second of the fight. Quite amazed that it actually went 10 rounds, to be honest with you. If you did watch the fight, inform me. Let me know what happened. Was it a good fight? I don't... I don't... I can't imagine it would have been a good fight, but... Yeah, but Main Stavern going 10 rounds there, that's mad. I don't think he's been the distance since his last win, which, of course, we touched on was back in 2015. Um, amazing, man. Amazing that it's gone the distance there. I, I, I tell you what, I couldn't see that one going the distance at all. I think Bermain, like I say, has been knocked out in in a bunch of his last fights. Um, okay, that is it, though. For the review part of the show, we've flown through it as quick as possible. The final thing for me to do in this part is to welcome this week's special guest. 
Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBO Global Welterweight Champion. It is, of course, Bermondsey's very own Mr. Chris Congo. Chris, welcome to the show, my man. Yes, yes. How are you, brother? All good, my man. Good. Now I'm speaking with you. So, Chris, this is the first time we've had you on, so welcome, like I say. Um, I want to go back to the early parts of your career. Obviously, you know, you turned pro August 2016, and... Looking back now, you, you knocked out a few really, really tough journeymen early on. Most of the time, even knocking them out in just one, in just one round. Um, you couldn't really yeah. have made a bigger splash turning pro. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I think um, a lot of people try to say that, um, obviously, because I was a good fighter, I'm better off getting the rounds in. So they were the kind of opponents that we thought would give us the rounds, but didn't, you know? And, um, yeah, it just, it, it, it just happened so quicker in, in some of the fights, man. So what can I say? Yeah, I mean, brilliant. Like I say, you know, stopping really durable guys um, and to get them out in a round is very impressive. One really uh, durable guy that you did box, though, is one of my favourite journeymen of all time, the infamous William Warburton. Obviously, you didn't get yeah. him out, but tell me what those two fights were like against him. Tough guy. They were good, man. Good experiences. I think the first one, <clears throat> the first time he come, he actually just sort of played the game. It was a four-rounder and stuff. And then the second time, he actually brought it to me, took it to me, brought it, gave, me, gave it his all, but still wasn't uh, good enough to beat me. But, um, yeah, he's definitely... I, I believe that if he, if he wanted to box properly, he would actually beat some of these guys that are active now. So, um, yeah, very tough opponent. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And obviously, further down the line, I'd say your breakout win was that Luther Clay fight in Eddie's back garden. Uh, you got the TKO in round nine over Clay, who by many within boxing circles was highly regarded, tipped to do big things in the sport, sadly hasn't boxed since. But let's revisit that fight, Chris. A really good fight while it lasted. And yeah, your breakout win, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that fight, like I said, mentally, I wasn't, quite there. I was there, but I wasn't quite there. Everything was new to me. Um, he was the first like active opponent I'd fought um, it, 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 in terms of an opponent that was really active and was a champion. So, um, yeah, it was, it was quite weird, but I, as the rounds went on, I started getting back to myself a bit and then in, in round nine, I end up knocking him out. Yeah, it was a great win. Like I say, Luther Clay, by many, um, tipped to do big things. Um, after that fight was when you boarded the plane to Gibraltar for the McKinson fight. Obviously, you lost your O here. We had McKinson on last week's podcast. He was saying the knockdown was really more of a balance thing. But talk me through that fight, Chris. Going into it, McKinson was giving you high praise, saying that he felt domestically you were the most dangerous welterweight in the country. Yeah, um, therefore, uh, going into it, it, I had a great camp and probably one of my greatest camps and stuff. But I, as I was in the ring, it was a lot different. Obviously, I'd sparred him before, but um, yeah, I, I wanted him to play into my game. But obviously, that didn't work. And yeah, I, I lost the fight, bro. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, you came back with a win against Kelvin Dotel. You know, you boxed another super tough guy after that, Sebastian Formella. I know you wanted a stoppage against Formella. You was a bit disappointed, I remember, not to get it. But again, a really tough guy. Obviously, mixed it at world level against Porter and, and had never been stopped. Can you look back now and appreciate that win? It was a good win, I think, in my eyes. Yeah, definitely. It was a good win, but not up to the standard that I wanted it to be. Um <laughs> I believe that with with an extra round or two, I definitely would have got him out of there. But it's all part of part of a learning curve, isn't it? and and to be honest, I, I always say this: I'm probably I'm probably the welterweight in the division with the least experience, but I'm still fighting these guys, and this is what I'm in the sport for. 
Yeah, I was going to say that, Chris, because obviously, you know, you've been a pro now just over six years. And I think there was one year, um, I believe, what was it? I think it was 2017. Well, I think it was 2017 when you were very, very, very active. But then after that, you have <laughs> been quite inactive. I mean, obviously, just boxing the once in 2019, once in 2020, once in 2021. Has this, has this been, um, I guess... What's the word I'm looking for? But like um, a bad thing in your career is is that that hasn't helped you? I'm guessing. Hundred um, percent. You know they say that inactivity is 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 um, a boxer's worst enemy. You know, and uh, all all my career I've always wanted to be active, but a lot of things played a part. And um, yeah, man, what can I say? Bro, just got just got to move on from that now. Okay, and obviously you boxed on the weekend against Echo Essiman. That's that's the main reason we have you on. It was on that Eubank Smith undercard. Most people saw the fight as a true 50-50 fight going into it. A lot of people were sat on the fence. Um, in all honesty, the fight proved how closely matched you both were. It could have gone either way. You started brilliantly. His pressure got him back into it. You had a couple decent rounds late on as well, which I don't think many people give you credit for. Um, he seemingly hurt you once or twice in the fight. I could be wrong. Talk me through it, Chris. It was a good fight, you know. It was a good fight, a fight that I want to run back. Um, but just, just like you said, bro, I was, I was cruising through the early rounds. He come on strong in the, in the, in the mid rounds, but the mid and late rounds. But I definitely had a few late rounds as well. I don't know what, um, what the judges were seeing. But if you if you do watch the fight back with uh, no commentary and nothing to you know twist your mind a bit, you actually see that I was up in the fight by at least two three rounds. You know, I believe. And um, yeah, what can I say, man? I just want to run that back for sure. That that one is is worth running back. Yeah, I mean, it was a great fight, like I say. It could have gone either way for me. Um, so it sounds like you have watched it back, possibly on mute. Um, have you, like, officially scored it, Chris? Yeah, I officially scored it 7-5. Um, 7-5 really. for yourself, okay. And that's more than enough for me to, to, to win a fight. A lot of people say, oh, it's a bit closer than that. And that a fight like that is definitely worth a rematch especially because a lot of people thought it was close and a lot of people actually thought I won. And, um, yeah, I mean, if it was a complete shutout, then there's no point of a rematch, is there? You know, it was a complete shutout. So everybody wants to see it. It was probably the best fight on the card that night. And, um, yeah, I'm ready to run that back for sure because I believe I won. Yeah, yeah, no, I think, as you say, no one can... um... No one can say they don't want to see it again. It was a great fight. Um, yeah, so tell me, Chris, um, how hurt at all were you during the fight? I think he had two moments where it looked like he'd stunned you, but, you know, you were you were mm -hmm. in there, so tell me. Yeah, I was in there. To be honest, I was only really buzzed at one point. I wouldn't say hurt. Hurt is the wrong word. I would say I was buzzed a bit. Um, probably once when I was on the ropes, I think if you look at the, the last round that I got hit with a big right hand, what people don't notice is I actually come back and started firing back. So if I was really hurt, the ref would have been having a look. Do you get what I'm saying? A, a lot of people, when they're hurt, you can tell by their body language. They don't seem to throw punches back. They kind of look for their way out. But for me... He hit me with a good shot. That's it. I, I, I rolled the shot and, and come back, started firing him back. You know, I hit him with some, some good shots after that too, you know. So, yeah, man, I, I was never really hurt, hurt bad at any moment in the fight. But I was buzzed out just one moment in the fight, you know. And in the air, it was there. You can see, you know. Okay, okay. And like I say, we had Michael McKinson on the podcast last week. Um, he certainly mm -hmm. didn't sit on the fence with his prediction. His prediction was he thought Essendon mm -hmm. would get a late stoppage, which was a bit shocking to hear. What's your thoughts on mm -hmm. that? 
Well, he's entitled to his opinion, you know. I knew Essiman come with this break and break it. He didn't break nothing, bro. You know what I mean? He didn't break me. If he broke me, I wouldn't be standing. I wouldn't be standing there after the 12 round, you know. The fight probably would have been stopped if he, if he broke me. But that's the worst thing about it. He didn't. And I kept fighting back. So with McKinson's opinion, that's his opinion, huh? you know what I mean? He cares about that. Only he'll care about his own. So, yeah, I don't care about that. That don't mean nothing to me. Yeah, and I think, obviously, if he would have broke you, you wouldn't be sat here asking for the rematch. Um, I want to ask you as well, Chris, um, I guess you've kind of answered it a little bit, but I was going to ask what's kind of next for you. I know it's obviously early. I wanted to know if, in your mind, you already maybe had a next step in terms of a next fight, but it sounds like the SMM fight's all you're thinking about, the SMM rematch. Yeah, 100%. And one thing that I noticed was good is that with that fight, my stock never went down. It only went up because it was such a great fight. Um, I showed that I have a good chin. I got hit with some big shots in there. I took took some shots. But obviously, as they say, the best chin is the one that never gets hit. So I shouldn't really be happy about that. Um, in, in, uh, in terms of what's actually next, that's for me to go back with my team and speak speak to Sky, see what they say, but they were pretty impressed with the performance and impressed with uh, my improvements that I'd made. And um, yeah, hoping hoping to get out as, as sooner than later, you know? Yeah, for sure, man. Absolutely. And I'm coming down to my last three questions. Um, these are kind of about different fights. I wanted to get your reaction to, uh, to Eubank Smith. Did you get out in time to sit ringside and watch it? Uh, no, but I watched it back as soon as I got back home. I thought, I thought, um, I thought Chris was doing well. You know, I think Chris should have went back to his old self instead of trying to box on the back foot. He should have went on the front foot. But um, yeah, he got caught with a good shot, man. And um, yeah, it, it, it happens. You know, it happens. It's, it's all part of the game. And obviously. As as we know, you're at welterweight, so I must say, um, I think the whole world agrees that the two best welterweights in the world are Spence and Crawford. Are you a Spence man or a Crawford mm-hmm. man? Who wins that fight if they actually fight? <laughs> I'm I'm a, I'm a Crawford man. So I'm a Crawford so man. The guy lives in the gym, um, always working, similar to me, you know. Um, and he's just he's just versatile. He's an all-rounded fighter, box fight. Southport, orthodox, front foot, back foot. You just, with him, you just can't get anything wrong. You know, he's just that complete fighter. Yeah, I'm a Crawford man as well. We hopefully will see the fight maybe this year. Hopefully, fingers crossed. And I wanted to get your prediction as well for this weekend, Chris. Baturbiev Yard, someone surely going to sleep in that fight. How do you see it going? For sure, for sure. Boy. This is a great fight, man. It's a great fight. Of course, I'm backing, I'm backing the home fighter Anthony Yard, and I can only see it going one way, and it's uh, it's a knockout. Probably within one to five, I got it. So um, yeah, I think if it goes past that, then probably Beta Beer will, will come on strong as as he has done previously. But um, yeah, I got Yard one to five. Oh, I'd love to see that happen. Fingers crossed, man. We definitely want to see Yard bring it back. And just finally, before we let you go, Chris, if you've got any closing words to the listeners, if you want to say absolutely anything at all, then say it. But I do want to say as well, um, please give your social media handles so people can follow you if they're not already following. And um, yes, close with any message you want. You want to thank sponsors. Take it away, my man. Anything you want. Yes, I just want to... Um, say for all the listeners they can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at 2SlipChris the number 2 and SlipChris and also yeah thanks to all um, all my supporters man I've I've gained a lot of supporters and, and fans over the last uh, week or so due to this fight being such a big event and um, yeah man just continue to follow the journey because it's it's not over um, even though it was a loss, it was it was it was a 
great, great fight. And that's what I'm looking to bring in the in the UK waterweight division. You know, big, big fights, and uh, hopefully you get to see the part two of that. And um, yeah, thank thank you guys, man. No problem at all. Listen to everyone. Please go and give Chris a follow. I think the best is truly yet to come. Listen, Chris, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you for your time. I wish you all the best in your comeback. Hopefully we see that rematch with Essiman and we'll speak again soon, I'm sure. For sure. Thank you, brother. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. Two pieces of news to mention one piece we're going to start with here is that friend of the show mario barrios has got his next fight booked in it's going to be on the undercard of ray vargas and oshaki foster obviously they're fighting there for the wbc super featherweight world title that's going to be on um when is it i think it's uh february 11th in san antonio texas so it's great to see mario barrios a local fighter on that card he gets in with uh, Giovanni Santiago, who of course is a former opponent of Adrian Broner, so all the best there to Mario Barrios, probably get him on the show sometime soon, um, hopefully before the fight, it's not long to go now really to the fight. The other piece of news is that it's, it's just been announced literally today as well, brilliant, brilliant fight Eddie, I'm going to come to you straight away, um, it was rumoured for a while, we said it was one of the best fights that can be made at 168 and it is finally happening, we're going to see see it unfold on March the 25th at, um, I'm not sure if they've announced the venue, yeah, no, it is, it's going to be at the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas, we're going to see David Benavidez, Caleb Plant, baby, talk to me, Eddie. That is a hell of a fight, oh man, I was, you know what's funny, I, I was having a conversation with somebody uh, recently about that fight, I'm, you know, I was anticipating that it was going to be made. You know, I was kind of penciling it in my mind. It at some point was going to happen uh, soon. Nice that it's going to be in March. That's that's kind of soon. Uh, but I'm pretty sure the guys already knew about it. It was being rumored. It was probably just some negotiations they had to go through in order to, you know, get through that. It's a few days before your birthday, so there's a perfect present there exactly. from, from your wife that's to you, take you to Vegas, get you in the fight. Brilliant. Hey, I'm gonna I'm 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 hit that around it now. <laughs> nah, but that would be cool. I would love that. I'm not gonna lie. Um, maybe I get on the other one. No, but anyway, um, uh, yeah, it's a hell of a fight. I mean, I I really like Caleb Plant's ability and his skill, his sharpness, his IQ, all of those things. He got a lot of great qualities, man. A lot of, a lot to like there. Uh, but David Benavidez is just. He's all around special. He's you know he's a bigger he's a he's obviously a uh, I don't know I think they're about they're about the same size right David Benavidez is what six one six two maybe something like that if I'm not mistaken at uh, at super middle I can't remember his height but Benavidez is big for that weight massive for that weight yeah and that's what I figure he's, he's big he's a he's aggressive punches in combination good speed just just tough. It's gonna be that's gonna be a hell of a hell of a fight, rough fight. I think I, it's hard for me it's hard for me to pick against Benavides. I, I just I just I just can't do it. Uh, but I really like Caleb Plant. I really like what he brings to the table. Is just his overall ability. He's a, he's a he's a special talent. It's just I don't know. It's that's why this that's why you said this, that's why this fight is such a good fight. That's why it's such a good fight to see the con. It's just. I'm going to have to go David Benavides. And I said this, but it's just, it's just, it's just I haven't seen him beat or, or, or hurt. And the only thing I can take from in a fight like this is watching Caleb Plant, you know, with, with Canelo. And, 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 of course, you know, seeing him in other fights. I mean, he's, he's like I said, he's looked great, great in most of his fights and uh, that I've seen, especially recent. But, uh, uh I haven't seen Benavidez pushed like that or beat like that. And he's been in there with some guys, but um, I just I just think I got to give up a Benavidez the upper hand at this point. Like you said, he's big for the weight, strong, powerful, uh, it, it, aggressive. I don't know, man. It, it, it's going to be a tough one for Caleb Plant. I think he's going to be times – he's going to have his moments, I believe. But I think at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to go Benavidez at this point. 
yeah, it's definitely going to be a very, very thrilling encounter. Benavidez gets a chance here to really make a statement against a marquee name in the division, which is something that people criticize him for. You know, he hasn't had the big, the big fights. I mean, he's calling everyone out, but for whatever reason, the fights aren't getting made. I don't think it's necessarily his fault. Um, I think that, you know, no one would want to fight him. Why would you want to fight him? He, you know, he's, he's a real problem. I actually think he's a very special fighter. Obviously one of the young guns still, I think he's still, what's he about? Uh, He's, I don't, he's definitely not, uh, he's about 26 or something like that, I, I believe, maybe even slightly younger, um, don't quote me on that, but yeah, one of the young guns in comparison with the other guys like the Callum Smiths, like the Caleb Plants, like the um, the Billy Joe Saunders, the, obviously the Golovkins, the Canellos, he's younger than all those guys, um, and yeah, it's like I say, a chance for him to make a statement against a really good proven fighter in Caleb Plant, who, by the way, is in phenomenal form. Obviously, last time out, almost decapitating Anthony Durrell in what was one of the best knockouts of the entire year. So he's in fine form as well. That's why it's such a brilliant fight. Um, made a best man win, like I say. Both guys been on the show in the past. Got a huge soft spot for Caleb Plant. Uh, Benavidez, I probably get on with better than I do um, Plant, to be honest with you. But yeah, it'd be good to um, get one of them, or if not both of them, on the show before their fight comes up. But it's a great fight there for March 25th. Um, it really is a fantastic fight to be made early on in the year between truly two of the best fighters at 168. That's the only thing that people say about about Benavidez. Those Benavidez haters, they say his resume is so thin. He hasn't boxed the right fights. He hasn't, you know, boxed the big names. This is a a step in the right direction. If he can get a good statement win against uh, against Caleb uh, Caleb Plant, that that is going to send shockwaves through the division, and you know. It's going gonna, it's gonna to shut a lot of people up, actually, if he wins in good fashion. I cannot wait for the fight. It's going to be epic. Uh, moving on now to the preview part of the show. We're going to start here with this one. It takes place tomorrow at the Quiet Cannon Country Club, which I think you have to say quietly. Um, it goes down in California. It's going to be on a TV channel, I think, called USA UFC Fight Pass, whatever that is. But anyway, one fight to mention. It's top of the bill for the WBC Continental America's Super Welterweight title. Over 10 rounds, we've got Sergei Bohachuk, the Ukrainian fighter based in LA these days. 21-1, never been the distance. He's got 21 KO wins and 1 KO loss. So always in exciting fights. I remember when he... Um, lost his O when he stepped up against, oh, it's testing me now, against, uh, I was going to say Brian Adams, the singer, Brandon Adams, um, yeah, so he lost his O to him, got knocked out by him, come back with a couple decent wins since then, by the way, but gets in with Nathaniel Gallimore, who is 22-6 and six with a draw, um, and Gallimore can punch as well, and Gallimore is quite tough, you know, he's pretty much been in with all the big names, really, at 154, um, you know, Julian J. Rock Williams, Patrick Texera, um, Erickson Lubin, uh, Sebastian Fandora, only been stopped once, despite getting in with all of those guys, been in there with Jason Rosario as well, knocked him out, um, so he's been in with all the top guys really, but he's just kind of like, I guess a bit of a gatekeeper, he's not really good enough to be a world champion, but he's mixed it with everyone, only been stopped by just one of them, so I think it's a really, really interesting fight, because if you can't get past this guy, then you're you're in a lot of trouble, and I think we're going to know for, for real that Bohachuk's ceiling isn't as high as what we maybe once thought it was when he was about 18-0 and with 18 KOs and no one could get past uh, about six rounds with him. You know, he was just blowing everyone out. He was so exciting. I think he was with Tom Loeffler. He may still be with him. And there was a lot of hype there. Um, I think he was learning to speak English or at least uh, tweet in English and stuff and he was interacting with his fans. It was all going really well till he got knocked out. But this is a fight here that I think is going to tell us a hell of a lot about the guy because if he can knock out Gallimore, it's a statement. If he can beat Gallimore on points, I think it's a mini statement because you don't beat this guy unless you're a top guy. But if Gallimore uh, causes an upset, which wouldn't be a shock, to be totally honest, then 
Yeah, he's back to square one because he's been rebuilding since that loss there to Brandon Adams. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I actually wonder what the price is on Gallimore to get the stoppage because, like I say, he can actually punch as well. Um, really interesting fight, I think. I think Tom Loeffler is still involved with Bohajuk, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, all the best there to those guys. Tom Loeffler, friend of the show. Moving out now to the Castleton Banquet and Convention Center in New Hampshire, USA over here. Otto Wallin, 24-1, and one, lives in the US these days. Um, he's in a keep-busy fight, but I'm going to mention it anyway. He gets in with a guy called Hellerman Olguin, who is 9-4 with a draw. That's over eight rounds there. I feel for Otto Wallin. Um, I was supposed to get the Dillian White fight, and obviously didn't get it. Dillian White pulled out. I can't even remember what reason was given now, but um, it's just kind of like had such a stop-start career since the Fury loss, and we know that, obviously, he cut Fury in that fight, and, you know, we've seen fights stopped on much, much less um, bad cuts than that, and um, I thought he could push on from after that and get a big fight, but he hasn't, and that was years ago now, man, when, when Wallin fought Fury, and, obviously, Wallin's just getting older, still hasn't... Um, you know, racked up another loss since then. That's his only loss. Um, he did pick up a couple decent wins, didn't he? In, in in the US, I think I think he he beat Dominic Brazil, if I'm if if my memory serves me right. But I think there's more he can give to the heavyweight division. I think actually he gives a hell of a lot of guys problems at the very top. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, the fights just haven't been happening. So all the best to him, and I hope he can get a big fight real, real soon. And now the final card to mention, it goes down at the Wembley Arena. Oh, I thought it was the O2 Arena. My apologies, it's the Wembley Arena. Wow, okay. Um... Right, that's thrown me off a little bit, but it's going to be live on BT Sport here in the UK. Let's start with the undercard. We've got an 18-year-old heavyweight who's turning pro, who everyone's saying, over here at least, that this guy is going to attempt to try to win a world title quicker than Mike Tyson and break that record. He's 18 years of age. Moses Italma in a four-rounder here on his pro debut against two-and-one Marcel Bode. Uh, the story behind Moses Italma is that He's pretty much sparred every top heavyweight in the UK. And I'm not entirely sure if he's sparred Fury. But I know he's sparred, I believe, like Joshua, Joyce, Dubois, all those guys. And I think he's been sparring them since he was about 15. Like he'd come to the gym in his school clothes, take them off, quickly put some boxing shoes on, and literally get the better of most of the top guys in the country so there's huge promise with this guy here and it's it's a debut not to miss i wonder if he's going to end up with a tv slot because you know apparently he's going right to the top and i'm going to be honest i didn't know anything about the guy three months ago but his brother's also on the card carol itama as well an undefeated fighter who's a light heavyweight he boxes here for the wbc international light heavyweight title which is currently vacant he's in a 10 rounder here against ezekiel moderna who's 28 and 10 itama like i say 9 and 0 undefeated um what else should we go to on this undercard um it's not a tremendous undercard, to be totally honest with you, but obviously we don't care too much. It's all about the main event. Um, I will go on to this other fight here. I just was taking a quick look at Moderna's record because his name does ring a bell. I think... Ah, okay, it rings a massive bell. Yeah, he's been in there with <laughs> Edwin Rodriguez. Um, been in there with Arta Baturbiev. Been in there with Thomas Oosthausen. Been in there with... A couple of other guys as well. Um, uh, Fedor Chudinov, Jose Uzkategi. So, yeah, been around the block. But, you know, it's, it's a good step up, really, for Carol Otama, who hasn't really boxed anyone of note just yet anyway. So, I'm a fan of that fight. I think that's decent there for Carol Otama. But moving up the card once again, we're going to see Artem Delakian. Um, he is 21-0. and 0. He's defending his WBA flyweight world title. He's been massively inactive, I think, in recent years, if I'm not mistaken. I remember him being a champion years ago. Um, and I don't think he... Yeah, he's undefeated, so he didn't lose his belt or anything. But he's been champion, if I'm not mistaken, since about 20... 
20, I was going to say 2017 or something like that. I think maybe 2018. Um, but yeah, been massively inactive. But anyway, he gets in the ring here, 21 and 0. He gets in with the undefeated 12 and 0, David Jimenez. Um, again, that's for the WBA flyweight world title. But all eyes now to the main event. Arta Baturbiev, 18 and 0, defending his IBF, WBC, and WBO light heavyweight world titles against the UK's very own. The beast from the east, Mr. Anthony Yard, 23-2. and two. Um, It's a great, great, great fight. It's a great fight. I was discussing this fight earlier on this week. Um, you know, there's a lot of talking points, and I don't want to go in too deep on it because, you know, I want to just get through the show at this point. But um, without babbling on for too long, um, Anthony Yard... Some people would say has a puncher's chance, but in my eyes, I think he's got more than a puncher's chance because I don't think Anthony Yard is just this one punch banger that has nothing, has nothing else apart from power. I think he's a good boxer. I think he is, uh, you know, his defense is a lot better than he gets credit for. I think his chin is a lot better than it gets credit for. There was there was a talk at one point in the UK. Um, a lot of people really stupidly believed it, and still to this day actually believe it. Anthony Yard's team come out and said he doesn't spar. And everyone said, wow, he doesn't spar. That's crazy, he doesn't spar. And I swear, to this day, people still believe that because the team come out and said it sarcastically. But for some reason, most people didn't get it. And most people still, to this day, think he doesn't spar. Well, sorry to to blast those rumours out the park. I've been in person and seen him spar. So there you go, he does spar. (laughs) And... um, there were rumours that the people that he spars are all really light punchers, which is also an absolute load of rubbish. And the reason why they were why they were all light punches is because he doesn't have a good chin. And when he fights Kovalev, he's going to get knocked out in a round. We saw in that fight that he's got an excellent chin. In the end, of course, he was stopped, but I think it was pretty much off of exhaustion. And at that point in Kovalev's career, by the way, I know it was the fight before he got knocked out by Canelo, but at that point, even though he was up there in age, not many people were going 11 rounds with Sergei Kovalev, by the way. Certainly... Um, from a guy who had the little experience that Anthony Yard had at that point. I think Anthony Yard only had, what was it, 11 amateur fights, you know? Gets in with Kovalev in what was his, I think, what, like 16th pro fight? Um, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm going in too much detail here. But anyways, he's better than he was against Kovalev, I think. Um, obviously lost the one fight to Lyndon Arthur on points, very close fight over 12 rounds, come back, ran Arthur over, let's be honest, um, I like Arthur, but he got steamrolled in that second fight, and now he finds himself in against Baturbiev, who at this point is 38 years of age, just turned recently, um, you know, he has, I think, shown some signs of slowing down, I've been watching all of his fights, you know, all of his recent fights, and I don't think he's that same fighter he once was, and obviously Father Time is undefeated, um, still has that 100% knockout streak going, which is just amazing, to be honest with you, but I look back at his last fights, and I'm gonna, like I say, really try and be brief with this, but Joe Smith Jr. in the last fight he had, Joe Smith just went at him head on, which I really respect, he didn't try and box like we've seen a lot of other guys do, he just ran at him to try and, you know, fight him straight away, it worked out horrendously, he was was knocked out in two rounds, Joe Smith, poor poor Joe Smith, Um, but it was fun. Um, You know, and and because, like I say, he pretty much played into Baturbiev's hands, unfortunately. It could have gone well for him, but I think he thought, right, I'm going to take a beat in here over 12 rounds and then end up maybe getting stopped late on after a hell of a lot of, of uh, beat down rounds. Or I can just go and give it my all and, and you know, win or lose, uh, just go for it pretty much. And that was what I think Joe Smith thought his best chances were. And it didn't work out for him. But like I say, he ended up not taking loads of punishment. The fight before that was the fight with Marcus Brown, in which obviously he did end up getting Marcus Brown out of there late on, and he had that horrendous cut he suffered, by the way, Um, but he didn't impress me massively in that fight up until he got Brown out of there with, with the blood that was gushing out of his face literally every five seconds, it was quite impressive in the end, but I was, I was pretty much impressed by him getting the knockout while he was covered in blood, 
uh, rather than his actual rounds in the fight and and the way he was fighting that night i think brown posed a lot of problems and i actually saw it coming i actually said i think brown's going to give him a lot of problems and i think he did um and obviously we then go back to i think it was this one here when he boxed i think it was adam danes um that one i think was quite a close fight till he got him out really late as well so baterbiev has actually gone aside from that joe smith fight where joe smith met him head on the the previous fights before that nine rounds ten rounds ten rounds you know and then you've got to go back to uh early parts of 2019 and 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 before that where he started getting people out early again and those were when he was younger and those were guys that probably aren't on the level of your browns your your, your smiths your, your anthony yards so i think there's a mixture of different things here working against Artur baterbiev i think the age is a factor i think he's slowed down i think he's still a brilliant fighter of course but i think the age is a factor i think he's slowed down i think the fact that he's coming to the uk here giving anthony yard the 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 home advantage we know the crowd's going to be there for anthony yard it's all in Anthony Yard's favour. He's now got the experience that he didn't have when he went into the Kovalev fight. I think, Eddie, and I've, I've, I said I wouldn't go into massive detail and I've lied pretty much and gone into loads. Some of it was probably completely irrelevant. But what I'm trying to get at here is I think Anthony Yard's got much more than a puncher's chance. But I don't think that the fight goes a distance. Because both men, the power is very real. Both men. And I cannot see it going the distance. I think we're going to probably get a shootout. And I'd be quite surprised if it even goes past six rounds. But while it lasts, we are not going to be able to blink. I think it's going to be a brilliant, brilliant fight. And someone is going to sleep. Yeah, yeah, Joe. Um, I think I think you had to go into detail because there's so many little wrinkles about the fight that, you know, you can go into and you can say, you know, especially when Anthony Yard, I think, Judging at the yard, most people judge at the yard based on that performance with Kovalev and how he may perform in this fight here. And I think recently, like you said, he's been in better form. Like the second second fight he had with Lyndon Arthur, I've seen he, he actually looked good. He has, and I noticed this from 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 before. He he's not a non skilled guy. He actually has boxing ability. He's not just a banger. He's not just a puncher. He doesn't just have a puncher's chance. I 100% agree with that. But in in a fight like this, if he can't hurt Beterbiev, it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult. It is it's gonna be difficult because Beterbiev has a good amateur background. He has a good understanding of boxing. You understand what I'm saying? A good IQ. It's not like he's just because he got the the great chin and he comes forward a lot. It's not like he doesn't have little wrinkles to that too. He knows how to land certain shots. He knows how to put you and cut the ring off. And even there's been times he hasn't done that well, but uh, he has the ability to. And I think in a fight like this, as dangerous as Anthony Yard is, and, you know, he's 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 going to have to be on his A game. You know what I mean? It's just not He's not going to just be able to walk in there and, and just run through him. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a shootout. I think it's going to look a lot better than people think. I don't. I don't think it's, it's not going to be no wild affair. It's not going to be no, no, you know, just you know, blood and guts. I think there's going to be a good amount of skill involved. It, it, it's it's just two guys, two two alphas, two you know, two uh, uh, bulls coming together and locking horns. I just think that it's uh, it, it depends on on the guy on the night. You know, who's 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 the better boxer. You know what I mean? I think who's the who's the Who's the better boxer? Who has who has the better IQ? I think that will be the difference because they're going to come together. But the one that's going to win that 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 firefight is going to be the one that can land the punches they need to land in the right spots. And I think I, I obviously I'm I'm going to obviously lean a little more toward uh, Peter VF, but can't sleep on Anthony Yard. Kick and punch. Kick and box. He he showed uh, the ability to come in and adjust with the fight with Lyndon Arthur, the second one, um, you know, even though it took another whole fight, it's still, it's, he still went in there with the right attitude and the right game plan and, and execute. So uh, I'm really, really, really looking forward to this fight. And I think a lot of people should be looking forward to this fight. It's the kind of fight 
that they're not going to be going to have to look for each other, for one. Uh, so you're not going to see a whole lot of unnecessary movement for the most part. I mean, we never know in the night. You know, it could be somebody game plan that, you know, may, may change. But I think, I think, especially for Anthony Yard, he has to go in and put something on uh, uh, a BWF to, to get respect so that he could, if he needed to box or he needed to do whatever, so that he could get the space to do that. You know what I mean? If 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 he wants space at all, so it's uh it's it's it's, it's a great a great great upcoming fight. I can't wait to see it. I really will be disappointed if I wasn't able to be in the house to watch that uh, because I'm really really looking forward to that. Yeah, I I think it's gonna be fireworks. It's gonna be an absolute cracker. And um, yeah, I, I I of course have to lean towards Baturbiev. How can you not? You know. Um, Baturbiev hasn't really shown much weaknesses, even though I say he's slowing down, he's taking longer to get guys out of there, he's struggling with guys that he perhaps would have blasted out a couple years before. Um, you know, it's not like I'm saying he's finished. He's not he hasn't really proven that he's so old that he's you know, he's he's not capable of still knocking out everyone. It's like because he's knocked out everyone, what I'm saying almost holds very little weight. It's like if you if we compare it to Golovkin, there was a stage where Golovkin was knocking everyone out. Then he stopped and he started going the distance with guys. Then he started, you know, his punch output was dropping in fights. Then he started losing. Then he started having some close fights. And and basically you can say, okay, it's official. He is over the hill, man. He's on the way down. But Turbiev hasn't quite shown that many slips yet. But I'm just saying from my my uh from from what i can see i feel like he's slipped a tiny tiny bit i don't know if it's enough where he's not going to win the fight i still think that he's the favorite and rightly so and if i had to put my money on someone i'd go with him but i'm just saying all the chips are stacked in anthony yard's favor with the home advantage with the age with the fact that in my opinion just my opinion he slipped the smallest little bit i just don't know if it's a big enough slip for Anthony Yard to be able to capitalize in that way and to win the fight. Uh, agreed. I like I like that uh, that that uh, that answer. It's, it's to me, if there is a slippage, I mean, obviously him not just running through people. If you know from what he's done in the past, I mean, he still got the hundred percent knockout rate ratio, like you said. But um, I see what you mean, and. You know, going the distance with not not the distance because he actually, but going the distances he has he has to have to get rid of some of these guys and, and like you said in some cases you would have thought that he would have ran through them in a lot quicker and a lot you know more exciting fashion early on, but um, you know maybe just maybe these fighters are better than we thought and than we expected you know what I mean that's something we got to take into consideration and uh, also like you said you know age does play a part, no matter how much you want to deny it or ignore it. Looking at Triple G, like you mentioned, you could see that he was starting to deteriorate. There were certain things that didn't happen as easy uh, for him. And, you know, I, I could see that being a, a similar factor with that B2BF. But um, at, as it goes, still got to go to with him. He looks like, you know, it, it, it's the, the fight is his fight. I hate to say it, but it's his fight to lose. I mean, don't get me wrong. Anthony Yard is not somebody you got to just, you're going to look past or, you know, it's not, this is a fight that is an underrated fight that people should have been looking forward to and, and, and been clamoring for for a while. This is a fight that I was like, wow. And every, and you never, I don't even think about it, I don't think. And then when it was made, I mean, we probably talked about it briefly, but then when it was made, it's like, yo, this is an excellent fight to put together. So, you know, you can't just look past Anthony Yard, but um, if you're forced to pick a winner, smart money would have to be with Peter Diaz. Good, it's a it's a great fight. Anthony Yard's a good young guy, and he has a future. Has a lot of things in his favor, but still got to get in the ring. And I think, with that being the the, the biggest part of it, <laughs> you can have your home field advantage all day long, and nobody, and none of them can still none of them can fight for you. So. Um, you got to go with the, with, with the with the top guy at this time, and I'm, I'm going to go with Peter Biev, but it's going to be one hell of a fight. And I wouldn't be super-duper surprised to see Anthony Yard do something spectacular or special that night. 
We'll see. Not long to wait now. But like I say, um, I'm 100% sure that this does not go the distance. I cannot say it enough times. Do not blink. It's going to be exciting while it lasts. Anthony Yard, as we know, always comes to go for the knockout. There's no surprises. He's not going to suddenly start jabbing and moving. We're, ne we're not going to see that from this guy. He's coming to knock out Baturbiev. Baturbiev, I think, is coming to knock out Anthony Yard. Do not miss it. It's going to be unbelievable while it lasts. It's going to be so exciting. Cannot wait for Saturday now. Not long to go. Oh, boy. Getting super excited just talking about it, man. It's just it's, it's a great fight. All the best, of course, to Anthony Yard, friend of the show. I'd love, love to see him become Britain's next world champion. And wow, oh, my goodness. If he were to win this fight, he'd have three of the major titles. Uh, the only one he'd be missing is the WBA. Wow. And he'd be probably getting a bivol fight but you know let's not get ahead of ourselves it's going to be unbelievable on saturday night do not miss it but that brings the preview part to a close in part one we did the review part then we welcomed our special guest in part two we did the news and we've just wrapped up the preview part there the final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro which i'll do in just a few seconds Okay, and this wraps up episode 380 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge thank you to this week's special guest, the former WBO Global Welterweight Champion, Mr. Chris Congo. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. Once again, thank you all for tuning into this week's show. If you do have a spare one or two minutes, please leave us a review on iTunes. We love those reviews on iTunes. Please leave us one. If you do have the time, it really does mean a lot. That's about everything from myself though. Enjoy your weekends people, stay safe and we shall see you all again next week.